G'day and welcome to Leaders of Men. I'm your host, Nick Warner. In a society that yearns for legitimate male role models, I speak to men that are forging the pathway to a healthy, integrated masculinity. Jose Alejandro is an embodied leadership coach, impact-driven business strategist, men's work facilitator, and breathwork practitioner. He's the founder of the Reflex Media, an agency focused on supporting leaders in giving their gift, living their vision, and increasing their impact with intention and integrity by bridging leadership, coaching, impact-driven strategy, and storytelling. He is also the co-founder of Modern Renaissance Man, a movement of empowering modern men to find their edge so they can fully express their truth and own their power. Through brotherhood, resources, and transformative events, they inspire men to lead embodied and integrated lives of service. I hope you enjoy. The function of leadership is to produce more leaders, not more followers. Leaders of men. As a brother, it is uh, nice to finally get you on, mate. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's an honor to, to, to drop in and to be a part of this conversation. Really appreciate you uh, offering the invite. Excited to just dive in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really nice to have you on board, mate. So what does masculinity mean to you? Great question. Uh, masculinity to me means a lot of things. Uh, and really, I'm, I'm, I feel like my life has been a process of redefining what masculinity means to me. Um, so what it meant to me before was uh, being strong, getting shit done, um, you know, uh, chivalry, all these different things that, uh, you know, I had picked up along the way growing up. What it means to me now and what I'm really focused on redefining my life and what masculinity looks like in it is um, being just a grounded presence, grounded presence and really a a, uh, something that serves and creates space for others to be um, in their truth, right? So like a container for others to really just be in their truth um, with just the focus on grounded presence and really being that vessel and that container for my gift. Love that grounded presence. Somebody asked me today, what was the, what was the top kind of trait of an embodied masculine man? What do you, I mean, top one for me is presence, but what, uh, what are your top three? Presence for sure. Um, and I think, you know, the reason I say grounded presence, just because my own, my own journey, I've, I've made a distinction. There's times where I've been really present with something, but haven't necessarily been grounded. So what I mean by that is sometimes I'm busy doing, 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 and I'm like caught in the process of something and I might be present with it, but I'm not necessarily grounded. Um, so presence, groundedness, and also um, there's a part of flexibility and and just like fluidity that i like to add to it as well i think oftentimes you know when i used to think of masculinity it was kind of like discipline for the sake of discipline 
And that fluidity piece that I like to add on there is the ability for us to renegotiate and have a grounded confidence in our masculinity to the point where we don't need to feel rigid. We can actually be a little bit more fluid. We can um, embody different things, including the feminine. Um, so fluidity is a big piece uh, for me. It's just renegotiating and being able to be flexible enough to release attachment to something that I was disciplined uh, with, which leads me to another, I guess, grounded presence you can bring them together is devotion. Um, so there's a certain devotion to something um, and that could be purpose. That could be, uh, you know, some, some omission, someone we love, but there's just this devotion, which comes to, with this flexibility of not necessarily being disciplined for the sake of discipline, but being devoted to something bigger than us, devoted to something that's of service to something outside of us. Um, so grounded presence, flexibility or fluidity, and devotion. But uh, that devotional piece is something bigger than us. It's, for me, that's one of the biggest differences between a boy and a man. Mm -hmm. Because as a boy, it's all about us. And you can see that with you know, inverted commas, men running around, men in power, and it's all about them. Mm -hmm. But that, that trait of being devoted to something, to a cause greater than himself, is a really beautiful thing. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, I'm very good at being disciplined. You know, I think for most of my 20s, I practiced discipline and like getting shit done and following through, sometimes even, um, you know, leading to burnout or leading to like something that wasn't unsustainable, it was not sustainable. But that discipline usually was focused on me achieving something that either made me feel better about myself or proved my worth to others or just made me feel like um, I was worthy of claiming the thing that was at the end of that, that discipline, right? And devotion, like you said, it, that that word to me means that it's like you said, it's it's for the sake of something bigger than us, right? Uh, we're devoted to something that makes an impact on others. Therefore, it's not all about the discipline. It's about the intention of that discipline. Why are we doing this? For the sake of what? And uh, when, when we're doing it for the sake of something bigger than us, um, really, it's not as much about the discipline as it is about the commitment to being of service. Very well said. Yeah. What's the catalyst that got you into men's work? Was there a specific incident or...? Yeah. My relationship. So uh, five years ago, six, yes, six years ago, five years ago, my parents got divorced for the third time. So they got divorced when I was five, which is part of the reason why I moved from Puerto Rico to the States. They got divorced again when I was about 11, if I'm not mistaken, after getting back together. And then they divorced again um, when I was 24. Um, and when they did, that was, it was literally four months, six months after I moved out of the house. 
and my brother started going to college and really like leaving my parents alone in the house. And they realized like, you know, this is not just, this is not meant to, to, to be where we were just together for our kids. And what was interesting is that turned into a big thing that started really trickling into my relationship. So the five-year-old version of me that felt responsible for my parents' divorce, five-year-old version of me that felt like I didn't belong in, when I moved to the States and I lost all my friends, the five-year-old version of me that was, or even the 11-year-old version of me that felt like my parents got back together just for me and they actually didn't belong together, right? Um, and then the 24-year-old was just projecting all of that in my relationship. So I was going through a really rough patch in my relationship and really men's work initially, you know, we spoke about Robert Glover before this and uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy was one of the first books that I read. And men's work for me initially was a, was a reflex and a response to trying to fix my relationship. So initially it wasn't about me. It was kind of like, what information can I get in order to fix this relationship? And it's interesting because before I even started actually diving into men's work, and by men's work, I'm referring to the devotion, right, to, to, to working on myself. I actually started like YouTubing and Googling like how to fix your relationship. And what came up was like pickup artist tricks and uh, all these different things that really just dove me into more shame and to a spiral of like making it more about my partner than it was about me. So the initial, you know, to be honest, the catalyst was my relationship. And the initial version of men's work was really me being afraid and having this anxious attachment to saving that relationship. And the, the what, I, what, I, what I thought of it as and my image of what the, the relationship needed to look like. And then reading a couple of books, I was listening to uh, a podcast by Owen, with Owen Marcus, who's the co-founder of uh, Everyman. And I remember him talking about men's groups. And I was like, oh, what the fuck is a men's group? Like I got men. I connect with like is it like I was thinking about Fight Club and I remember Fight Club where he was going to all these AA meetings and I was like okay is it like you know we're sitting in a circle and just talking about um having cancer or having a girlfriend break up with us or whatever it is and it it wasn't until I actually went to my first men's group after doing some because I had done some therapy as well for about nine months, but I felt like there was a there was something missing. I went to my first men's group. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna go see what's up." When I started listening to men that were either older than me or same age as me or even younger than me that had gone through something similar and were just owning it, and then talking about what happened on the other side of it, and the freedom that I saw them sharing these stories with, that I actually started like, "Oh shit!" Like. This isn't about my relationship. This is actually about me feeling free, me feeling like I can breathe and own my own story without um, feeling like I need to shape shift it in order not to lose my relationship or feeling like I need to you know, change certain things just so I don't lose my job and do all these different things. It was more about just coming closer to me and getting clear about how I wanted to live my life. And like I said, the catalyst, though, 
with my relationship. And I think a lot of men that I've connected with, it's usually the case. It's either relationship or, you know, job or feeling like uh, unmotivated by the things that are going on in their life. But I think six out of 10, like three fourths of men that I've connected with, usually like a relationship situation or rock bottom and some something with regards to their partner that they're like, fuck, I got to fix this. And then they shortly realize that it's not about fixing the relationship. Sometimes it's about letting it go, but it's about like coming back to self. So yeah, that's, that's where it all started. Yeah. Mine was uh rock bottom from a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you have the 12 year old son, what's the most significant thing he needs to know? Hmm. I'm curious to know why 12, but what comes up, 12 was an interesting time for me. Um, what I would have wanted to hear at 12 is that everything is going to be okay. Whatever you're going through right now is temporary. Um, and that's really just for me because I know 12 was really rough for me. Um, but I, I would also say, you know, have fun and explore. Right? Like this is the time where you get to really find out who you are and make mistakes and just have fun. Um, you know, a, a big part for me when I was 12 was that I felt like speaking my truth and expressing myself. Um, especially with all the tension that was happening in my household between my parents. It was almost like if I express myself, if I'm in my truth, I'm going to get in trouble for it. You know, I make people uncomfortable. Um, I get in, I'm getting people's way. And I would just tell my 12 year old son, like, you know, th this is, this is the time in your life where you really just get to explore and learn more about who you are and uh, make mistakes, right? And, uh, you know, I, I think leading up to that, there will also be a piece of giving him all the tools to feel like he can make this, he can trust himself. I think it's a big piece. Like at 12 years old, I was having difficulty trusting myself because there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of things I was doing in order to fit in in order to feel like I was uh, someone's friend or in order to feel like I belonged and really just like giving him those tools so that before I tell him that at 12, he feels like he has an idea of who he is before his friends and anybody else tells him who he is, right? Um, that's, that's the biggest piece that I know I would resonate with and, and would need to hear at 12 years old. Yeah, the reason 12 is because that is about that age where, I mean, in some traditions, it's you know, 11, 12, 13, they get taken away from the mother and sent off. Um, but for me, if that happened at 12, it would have been fucked, I think. <laughs> but man, I need a couple more years. Yeah. What's an uncomfortable truth about you? Hmm. Comfortable truth. I like that question. 
an uncomfortable truth is that um, I have this you know, always already story, this, this uh, belief that I'm not enough, right? And regardless of how much I do accomplish and, you know, the acknowledgements from people around me, I always have to acknowledge that story and honor it. Uh, it's, it's one that, you know, uh, Rainier, uh, which you both know, Rainier brings this up. Uh, he's, he calls it the always already, regardless how much work we do, um, the accomplishments that, that we create, that we put out into the world. This always already is always already in the room before we step in there. Like, I am not enough. And that's a story that, that it's an uncomfortable truth that oftentimes I was running away from, you know, going back to like my, my early 20s and just the discipline for the sake of discipline. It was kind of like avoiding that uncomfortable truth. And now I am enough or avoiding that thought and doing things to either distract myself or avoiding doing things to not feel like I was not enough. And now it's just an uncomfortable truth that I, that becomes less uncomfortable the more I acknowledge it. Even on this call, an uncomfortable truth is like, man, am I, am I, you know, it's like, just listening to that voice. Am I worthy of being on this call with, with Nick? Am I, am I, am I, am I, am I saying enough? Am I, am I putting everything that I know is true on in this space? And just honoring that, putting it into space. And I mean, I've, even the fact that you asked the question allows me to answer it and just gives me freedom and space in my body to feel more grounded presence, to feel more flexibility, to just share what I want to share. And also to feel, um, you know, like the perfection is not important. It's the devotion. So yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I'm not saying enough for, some people but also I know that I am enough and what I share is going to be of service to someone even if it's just a beautiful conversation between the two of us so that's an uncomfortable truth that I face off with all the time especially when I'm when I'm hosting men's events or leading men it's like who the fuck am I to lead this event you know and there's a part of me that's really confident just knows this is where I'm meant to be but there's that uncomfortable truth of like that voice is still there and just acknowledging it creates more space for me to not have to uh, pretend that I'm not human, having human experience the same way that all these other men are, are having. When was the last time you cried in front of somebody else? This weekend. <laughs> so this weekend we had a, an MRM retreat and uh, it was a beautiful, like we called it a 40, it was like a weekend reset. Um, a lot of anger releases, a lot of, uh, you know, let some men through breath work. Um, I leaned into a psilocybin journey myself, a lot of crying and just like releasing and letting go of some, you know, even facing off with uh, that uncomfortable truth, right? That was probably something that definitely brought up some tears um yeah that was that was the last time literally this past weekend and it was so liberating to be able to not only cry in front of someone and know that i was going to be received with without judgment um but also to do so in front of men that i was leading because it just created space for them to feel like oh shit 
like, wow, this man is leading me and, and creating space for me to have my own reset this weekend. And he's not holding back from his own emotions. Like it just, it, and, and it just feels liberating um, to be on that receiving end as well. I know for myself, whenever I've attended an event, like I mentioned earlier, or been in a space with other men who are leading me, that are willing to cry in front of me, it just creates this uh, sense of relief and allows my uncomfortable truth to not be that uncomfortable anymore. Right, so yeah, Sunday and Saturday and Friday, <laughs> all those three days. <laughs> it definitely makes it easy, doesn't it, when the person leading can open with that vulnerability. Yeah. So, well done. Man. Yeah. When's the last time you're out of integrity? Hmm. Beautiful question. Um, this weekend as well. So I was committing to my own version of 75 hard. Um, really, it's just daily movement, water, writing every day. And uh, without any excuses, I, I didn't create space and time to do so during the retreat. And uh, I just finished. I just came off this morning of a 36-hour fast. That was like my reset to get back in integrity, starting over. Um, so that was my most recent time. I was out of integrity with my movement. I was out of integrity with just my commitment to um, to writing every day, which is a practice that has really helped me just like get shit off my chest and uh, and express myself. So I hopped on a 36-hour fast, and it was uncomfortable. But it always, it, one, it always brings me back to my rite of passage where I fasted for four days and reminds me how committed I am to my vision. Sweet little pooch in the background. That, uh, that's 75 hard, mate. That is, um, I looked at that. That's a challenge. Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up. I just had a conversation with this about, with my client. Um, Three years ago, I did 75 hard for the first time. Right? I was living in Bali and I got to about day 63. And my initial commitment, this is where really discipline versus devotion, just bringing this up, I think it's very important. Uh, my initial commitment was I'm doing 75 hard in order to bring my physical and mental well being to the next level. Right? I wanted to use it as a threshold. And you know, without going into detail, um, 75 hard is really like three gallons of water, two workouts a day, both indoor and outdoor, um, reading every day, writing every day in a progress tick. And I remember going to, I was about day 40 and I was starting to have adrenal fatigue. Like literally, I remember around day 47, I went the entire week just doing walks because workouts were just too much. I was doing walks outdoor and I didn't even know what to do indoor. I was trying to do like yoga. Um, but there was a point where I realized like, oh shit, this isn't sustainable. Like this isn't what I need right now. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I made it to day 63, but my commitment wasn't really necessarily about like um, pushing to the next level of discipline, even though that did happen. It was more about health and well-being. That's what got me enrolled. And what I realized that, I was becoming disciplined for the sake of discipline. I was doing 75 hard. I literally at around day 63, I had adrenal fatigue and like 
almost like collapse while going for a run outside. And I decided it was difficult for me. Like that old part of me was like, no, I got to make it to day 75. I was like, you know what? Um, there's a practice in here for me of like letting it go and also still becoming remaining devoted to what I can do next the next day. Um, so, so 75 hard, that's a big reason why, you know, I called it that this time around, but I did my own version. So 30 minutes of movement, daily writing, a gallon of water, and just things that I feel like feel in alignment for me. If I want to work out more than 30 minutes a day, great. But that's a big, that's a big deal for me of like, you know, uh, for the sake of what? What am I doing this 75 hard? Am I willing to just like burn out and and like uh, uh, like just collapse for the sake of completing these 75 days? Or is it, you know, for the sake of my health and well-being, maybe there's a different approach to this than what I'm told I have to do in order to accomplish this challenge. Um, so it is it is a pretty challenging and I did it three years ago. It didn't go so well. But this year I'm doing it differently and reminding myself that this is what I'm devoted to versus discipline for the sake of discipline. More power to you, brother. Well, um, I like the idea of just shifting it up a bit and then committing. What's your deepest desire? Hmm. My deepest desire is to embody my truth and amplify my truth, embody my truth and just be a signal, like unapologetic, just a strong signal that inspires others to, to be in their truth as well. There's a, you know, a couple of years ago, I did a purpose distillment, right? And I use this with my clients as well. Like what is, you know, what makes you feel most alive? What does that open up for you? And just continue to ask that question. What does that open up? What does that open up? And ultimately getting to one word, whether it be joy, freedom, peace, happiness, um, you know, truth. And for me, it was truth. Uh, it, at first it was love and integrity. And then distilling that down, it was like truth. If everything feels in alignment for me, if there's no problems to fix, if there's no things to do, how do I want to feel? And like, just feeling like I'm fully embodying, expressing and being in my truth. That's my deepest desire, right? Um, ultimately, like we think of external things like tangible things, success, you know, uh, uh, ending world hunger. Like if world hunger was ended, what would you feel? And, you know, and using world hunger as a placeholder for this mission that we create outside of ourselves. For me, is just feeling like I'm in my truth. And when I'm ever, whenever I'm in my truth, uh, I feel like my deepest desire is fulfilled. I feel like I am in alignment. I feel like I'm living my purpose. I feel like I, I just feel fulfilled, free, and, uh, and uh, yeah, fulfilled and free when I'm in my truth. So owning my truth, expressing my truth, being in my truth, and uh, amplifying that truth so that others can feel inspired and do the same. Thanks for that. I love that. What is it you're creating? Hmm. 
So I am creating a, a movement of men that are committed to giving their gift, living their vision, and creating an, an intentional impact. Um, you know, what I mean by that is, is uh, going back to the truth piece. Uh, I know that what that my truth is different than every other man's truth. So for me, just focusing on being in my truth and creating spaces where other men could feel empowered to be in their truth. Um, and by being empowered in their truth, they, they're confident and grounded in what gift they have to give to the world. They feel empowered by their vision and play it big. And then they decide to really make an intentional impact. Um, that's really my commitment. Sometimes that looks like, you know, brand strategy. Sometimes that looks like rites of passage. But really what I'm creating is just a generation or a movement of modern men that really redefine what masculine leadership looks like. What giving gift living their vision and doing so with intention looks like. Um, so really just encompassing all the questions that you asked. Um, yeah. What would you love for men to know with every fiber of their being? That their truth will set them free. Right. Like oftentimes we look, we look for answers outside of ourselves. We ask for permission. We ask for, you know, uh, validation. We do things that make us feel like, uh, you know, we, we, we do things in order to find answers. Really, like your truth is what will set you free. You already have the answers within you. Um, we already know who we are. We're just in a process of remembering. And sometimes the things that we do are side of ourselves are what reflect back to us what we already know which is why i always ask men what makes you feel most alive follow those breadcrumbs because oftentimes like you know we already know the feeling that we want to feel and we just need to allow ourselves to follow the breadcrumbs of that feeling so that we could come back to our truth and then apply it to things that that uh that just spark our creativity, right? So really is your truth will set you free. And that starts with owning your story, owning your truth and the shit that's not so pretty, like the uncomfortable truth that you shared, that you that you asked me about. Um, I don't think I was able, I, I wasn't able to, to really connect with the truth of who I am until I was able to own the truth of who I wasn't. So like really owning like, oh shit, this is what I've identified with. This is what, how I've showed up in the world. These are the mistakes I've made and really just putting it on the table so that I can put the pressure off and see on a deeper level who I really am. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I know you've done a couple of, at least a couple of vision quests and I think that's just it's the most profound space for that 
the noise to just kind of at some point dissolve until that yearning, that burning desire to do what it is you truly want to do just rises up. Mm-hmm. But we just, we live in a society where we so easily distract ourselves from the discomfort of just fucking being and allowing that noise to just be there until it dissolves. Mm-hmm. But so many men miss that because it's just too uncomfortable. So they numb themselves, they fucking distract themselves. It's uncomfortable to fast. Oof. Right? Uh, I mean, I just did a 36-hour fast. And yesterday I was trying to convince myself to end at 24 hours. I was like, oh, I have to eat tonight. Like, I'm hungry. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, I was like, well, you know, I can I, I can, I can make it to 36. Let's actually explore this feeling of needing food right now, right? And uh, speaking of vision quest, like, four days and four nights of fasting um, from not just food, but fasting from social media, fasting from sex, fasting from conversation, fasting from reading, fasting from anything that is an input or a distraction. Um, There's nothing left but truth, right? And uh, there's nothing left but your own thoughts, your own emotions, your own feelings, your own discomfort and i think for the most part uh we cannot identify the truest part of ourselves we cannot connect with that until we move past that discomfort because that discomfort is usually numbed out with a lot of distractions and some of these distractions aren't you know they're not always distractions sometimes they actually help us find our truth for example listening to podcasts or reading a book but oftentimes any overindulgence can actually be a distraction, right? So Vision Quest has been one of the most powerful things I've done. I mean, um, you know, we, we've both talked about uh, plant medicine and different things that we've done that have helped us like gain clarity around our truth, but literally just stripping everything away and only having myself, my body, my mind, my heart, and my truth to connect to, um, and fasting for those days from everything, it was the, the most clarity I've ever been able to access in my life every time I've done it. Um, and any man that I've supported in going on that journey and crossing that threshold has said the same thing. You know, um, there's, just, there's just nothing like connecting to nature in that way and fasting from everything that we've known since we were born, right? Having our mother there providing for us, having our friends there to, to, to support us, having our job there to feel worthy, having a TV there to, to, to entertain us, having, you know, uh, sex or porn to make us feel good. Like all those things that we've known since we were kids through our entire life, just stripping that all away. So there's nothing left. And then it, it just really helped me redefine like, well, what does sex really mean to me? What does food really mean to me? Oh, why am I working in this way? Why am I, is this actually my mission? Or is it something that just made me feel good for a short period of time? Like all these questions that sometimes we don't want to face off with because it means that we might have to make decisions that are fucking difficult. Like, oh shit, why am I with this person? 
or am I actually happy with the relationship the way it is now? Or is that just how it, it felt, it felt good three years ago. Right. And like, just, that means that we have to make a change. And oftentimes uh, we don't want to do that. So as soon as we feel that discomfort, we're like, fuck it. Let's just, let's just mask it with whatever we've been doing for the past X amount of years or weeks. Um, so yeah, vision quest, most powerful tool I've, I've found to really come back to our truth. I agree, man. All right, brother, where can people find you? How can people get more of you? What have you got on offer coming up? Well, um, so I run this program called Intentional Impact. Um, it's a program that has really just helped impact-driven men, whether coaches, just men that are building movements and are giving their gift, living their vision. Um, the next cohort is in February. Um, also doing rites of passages in the East Coast uh, with my teachers and guides, Jetty Azuma and Bill Gomez and Sean Barry. So um, the next one coming up starts in March and we go out and fast for four days, four nights in an eight-day um, immersive wilderness uh, ex uh, retreat. And that's happening in May, but it starts in March. So if any man is interested in a vision quest, that's something to definitely lean into. And, and uh, if you want any more information about any of the, you know, the work that I do, just follow me on Instagram uh, at rjose underscore Alejandro. Got some stuff in there about my men's group, uh, Modern Renaissance Man, and then all the offerings that I just mentioned as well. Um, ultimately, the focus is on empowering impact-driven men to give their gift, live their vision, and increase their impact. So you might it might look like it might look differently for every man based on the stage of his journey. But uh, all the offerings and all the content that I put out is really focused on empowering men in in that journey of making an impact in the world. Beautiful. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for joining me. And uh, it's a pleasure to see you again. Yes. Well, thank you for having me, brother. It was a pleasure to dive in. Love your questions. Really brought up some truth for me. Probably some good questions for me to journal about later today as well and just dive a little deeper and just keep doing your thing, man. I, I really appreciate you having me and, and just the conversations that we always drop into. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.